Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. He did it. Wow. Well, good morning. This is different for me, right? (laughs) I've never done this before. Normally, I'm behind a microphone singing or playing my guitar. So this is... This is new, so you guys buckle up. We're going to do it together, all right? Um, So I'm honored. I'm very humbled to be with you all this morning. I love this church deeply. I really do. And before I get too far into it, um, just as much as Pastor Keith and Pastor Megan honored me, I want to take some time to honor them because I I feel like... um, It is crazy when you look at how God has woven us together, our ministries together over the amount of years that it's been. And to find me here today um, under his leadership, under her leadership, I'm just super grateful. We have walked through as a global church as well as a unique individual church, something that has been unprecedented over the last few years. And these seasons of hardship, I've seen them personally show up every day and say yes to God and be obedient in the midst of all of that, be steadfast and persevere. And so this church today is here because of their yes and their leadership. So I just want to honor them. Thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate you guys. Love you so much. Okay, so a quick intro about me. I I do more things than sing. Um, (laughs) So I wanted to give you guys a quick snapshot into my, uh, who I am, because maybe you don't know me beyond this platform on a Sunday. So I actually grew up in church um, in a single mother household. In fact, uh, my mommy is here this morning and uh, she is the reason why I never left God, um, why my faith is as strong as it is today because of her prayers, the way she, oh, she's getting emotional. It's going to make me emotional. And my sister is also here. My younger brother couldn't make it, but I just really have appreciated growing up in the body of Christ under my mom's leadership in spite of what divorce and um, single mother households could be. We were not the stereotype, and I know that's because of my mom's faithfulness. So I honor you this morning, and my sister, she actually works at a church in Lake Mary. So they, her and her husband and her family, they completely rearranged their morning in order to support me. So I love my family, and we'll give it up for them. I, um, I've been in vocational ministry for 15 years, which is like mind-blowing for me. This, this, this month actually is my 15th year. Um, I am a wife to my husband, Jeremy, for almost 10 years, and I'm a mom of two boys, Conrad, three years old, and Adler, who's in um, daycare today or childcare today. Um, he's one. I spent most of my life, and actually in Orlando, I grew up here, um, and it was about... Uh, college age when I moved away I went to South Florida I did an architecture degree down there and then God spoke to me and led me to ministry which is how I ended up in Jacksonville and lived there for 10 years I met my husband there and um, that's actually where I met pastors Keith and Megan and I really thought I would never leave Jacksonville I loved it I called that my home for a long time but I would say never say never to God right because he kind of gets a joke like it's he gets a kick out of it because I said I'd never move back And four years ago, we chose to move back so I could be around my family in order to raise my own family. And it's been one of the best decisions to be here in Orlando and with you, Celebration Orlando. So that's that's the snapshot, okay? So beyond the microphone, Lindsay, um, on a Sunday. This morning, I want to speak to you on the topic of peace. And this topic is not a new word. This is not a new concept for any of us, especially right now, right, during Christmas We see it on a Christmas card. We see it 
on a festive house, we read it in a card that someone writes us. Peace is not a new word or a new concept by any means, but right now I feel like probably more than ever, the actual experiencing peace is incredibly uncommon. The real true peace experiencing that is pretty uncommon. And I was processing that this while I was preparing. Why is that? Why is something so common for us to hear, to see, to say? Why is it equally as uncommon for us to actually grasp in our own lives and actually experience in our own life? So this morning, um, we're going to read from a passage in Philippians. We're going to stay in this passage primarily the entire time. It's in the chapter, in chapter four of Philippians. So if you want to open up your Bible or your Bible app, or if you want to read it on the screens, we're going to be in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. And before I read it, I went back and forth. Should I read, should I read and use this passage that's so common and so familiar to so many people? Because I, I like unique things. That's kind of one of the things I really pride myself. I like to be different. And so the, this common passage that I'm sure all of you, even if you haven't grown up in church, you've probably seen, maybe plastered on the wall in Hobby Lobby, and no knock on Hobby Lobby, but as soon as something ends up in Hobby Lobby, it's like it goes to this category of Christian cliche for me that's really hard for me to overcome in my mind. So my mom actually shopped at Hobby Lobby yesterday, and I was thinking in my head, like, Ooh, uh, it's okay. I love you, mommy, but it's true. Like Hobby Lobby for me is just a little bit, you know, it's whatever. Okay, I'm sorry. Now I'm making you guys feel bad if you like Hobby Lobby. But I was challenged as I was processing through, the, well, should, I, should I use this, should I not use it because it's so familiar? And, and what God revealed to me during this time is how just like anything in our life that we allow to grow too common or too familiar, if we're not careful, we can allow it to lose its effectiveness and its power in our lives. And we have to be careful to, to, to take that back in those areas that we let, allow grow common. So this morning, we're gonna decide together that we're gonna choose to read and hear this passage with fresh ears and fresh eyes, right? Okay, and we're gonna read it and know that the Holy Spirit is gonna make it come anew this morning to each of us. All right, so Philippians 4, 6 through 7, up on the screens. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes this morning, I did a little bit of wordplay, um, and I titled this message, Peace by Peace. You can see it up on the screen, Peace by Peace. We're going to pray. God, I thank you so much for this church. God, I thank you so much what, for what you're doing in and through these incredible people, this community of believers. Lord, we've already seen your handwork this morning. But God, as we begin to study your word, as we begin to look at the truth of who you are, God, I pray that if there are any blinders in this space, if there are, are any places of lack of understanding or unbelief, God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, supernaturally, we would be made new to the truth of your word, God. It's not my words, God. I pray that you would speak through me. I submit them to you, that you would be glorified. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so I wanna give you not one story because I struggled with coming up with one story. I wanna give you a collection of the overview of the last year in Lindsay Brenner's life, okay? Which, it's a lot, but the reason why I wanted to share 
is because I wanted you to understand why I selected peace. It wasn't haphazard. I didn't just flip to my Bible and open up to a passage and decide on this. This is something personally I've been walking through and been challenged with more so in this past year of my life than any season really. And so in order to bring you in with me, I wanted you to understand what my last, the last years looked like for me. So you know I'm not coming from a place of not experiencing that I'm coming from a place that I'm, I have not figured it out by any means, but God has revealed a lot through these seasons. And so I'm gonna give you a snapshot, okay? Last year of my life, um, I came into the new year as a fresh mom of two. We had just had our second boy, Adler, and it was during pandemic, so that is just new in general, um, how you have kids when you can't have support systems there. It brought a lot of challenges, as well as while um, he was both in utero and then after birth, our child had some medical issues with his kidney that they couldn't figure out. So we went through some months and a season of uncertainty. We didn't know what it was. We had to do tests. We had to do hospital visits, uh, medications, just to try to rule out things. So we kind of started this this year kind of rocky. We had um, the uncertainty of all of that, as well as I think because of the medicines maybe, and maybe not, I don't know, I hypothesize, Adler was pretty colicky. I don't know if anybody has ever had a colicky baby, but my heart goes out to you because if you don't know, what that actually means is for chunks of hours, almost every day, that's what defines it as colic, your child is unconsolable. Um, so I went through most nights, my family can attest where he was screaming, crying, and there was nothing we could figure out to calm him down. Um, at the same time, my beautiful uh, older boy, he had just turned two. So if anybody has a toddler, you know that, that it's something about the two-year-old age. They just get this incredible amount of energy that comes bursting forth, and you don't know what to do with it. So we, on one hand, I have this newborn with all of these very neat, he has needs that are real and and true to his age, then also I had this two-year-old with also needs, but very different needs because of his age. And during this hour in which, if you're a parent, once again, I'm gonna have a lot of parent references because that is the reality I'm in right now, but if you're a parent, there's a thing called the witching hour. Does anybody know what the witching hour is? It's a weird term, but it's, it's real life. It's like the clock hits 6 p.m. and like, everything happens right then. And so I lovingly referred to it as the crossfade in my household, which was basically Adler, the young one, needing calm and peace to fall asleep. And then Conrad, the older one, just like needing to get all the pent up energy that he'd not spent that day out. And so it was, for a lack of a better term, chaos. It's different now because they're a little bit older, but it's still pretty chaos chaotic in my, my household. Um, at the same time, my husband, he actually is in the medical field. He's an emergency room physician assistant. So he works really long hours, and um, he actually couldn't be here this morning because he couldn't get the um, schedule to switch. But it's a very demanding job. And in this season of also, it's already a demanding job, but then with the pandemic, it's been an uncertain space. And so when he's gone from the house, he's gone. And so it's almost like on days when he's gone for the 14 hours that he is, I'm single mom. Um, so consider this reality, the husband's gone, the crossfade of the witching hour, um, our colicky little one, and um, 
all this thing contributed, I think, I struggled with postpartum depression. Um, I didn't with the first one, and I didn't even realize I was struggling with it until some of my friends kind of made me aware, like, maybe this is what you're going through. Um, and then also, just some other little things, you know, if that wasn't enough, let's add a couple more. I got in a car accident in the beginning of this past year, got T-boned actually on my way to church, hit and run, never found a guy. And because we're a frugal family, if you go out to the parking lot, you'll see my beat up Prius still unrepaired. <laughs> um, also, we decided to start house hunting in March. Um, anybody house hunted this past year? Anybody? We're crazy, right? Why did we do this to ourselves? We are still without a home. <laughs> and we, when we moved here, we got a town home. So it was just me and Jeremy, and now we have the whole, all four of us, plus our golden retriever, stuffed into this town home. So pray for us. Um, we had a house leak that happened, and we only found out because the upstairs bathroom apparently was leaking through the kitchen ceiling. That was a fun thing to add on. Um, and my husband tore his rotator cuff um, in the middle of playing sports. We had to um, decide to get it repaired through surgery, and that was in the fall. So amidst all of this, I was like, oh, no, this means my husband is going to be, like, unable to use one of his arms. That means, like, diaper changes are out, like, putting our kid in the crib out. So I was like, oh, I mean, I'm making light of it now, but at the time, I was, you know, pretty, pretty scared and um, pretty emotional about all of it. And then so, and then undergirding all of this, my personal journey with God and myself walking into this new season of a mom of two um, and still a full-time worker in ministry, God has entrusted me with people and teams to lead and love. Um, I have been trying to navigate what this new identity of me is after doing it for 15 years and now I can't be the same leader that I once was. I can't, be, I can't be as present because I need to equally be present for my kids. So <clears throat> this has been my last year. And I, I wasn't trying to tell you all of this to make you feel bad for me. Um, I wanted to tell it to you so you guys could realize that where I'm coming from is I'm in a place where I've walked through chaos. I'm in chaos. It's become quite comfortable for me. Actually, I see people give me the like face sometimes when you can just tell they feel bad for you. Um, I see that often. <clears throat> and so if you today are feeling far from peace, I want to encourage you, you're in good company. Um, I'm continually walking this out in my own life. And so I just want to bring you into what God has been revealing to me. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. When you have this, you can't pull the microwave, microphone away. <clears throat> okay. So we're going to go back to our main scripture. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And we're going to break it down together, okay? Do not be anxious for anything but. Paul tells us that he has the antidote for anxiety, and here it is. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And or as a result, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I feel like Paul is doing what I was taught as, is like a compliment sandwich. If you've never heard of a compliment sandwich, it's like they start out with something nice, they end with something nice, but right in the middle is the hard stuff. And it was like taught to me as like the way to deliver difficult news to people. I don't know if it works, but when I was reading this passage over and over, I was like, oh yeah, the hard stuff is right in the middle. Like we have this incredible promise. Uh, you don't have to be anxious. 
supernatural peace and right in the middle. And the reason why it's hard is it's because it's something we're required to do. It's our action step, right? So in everything by prayer, prayer is the pivotal action step or instruction to us to lead us to peace. So very practically and very simply, if you've been walking with God, prayer is how God has designed us to walk out this life here on earth. It's a necessity. It must be central. It cannot be circumstantial. That's the practical, okay? And without it, how can we walk this life out for things like God has asked us to do, like love your neighbor as yourself or consider others as um, more significant than you or be fearless before your enemies? How, how do we do that? We can't do that. So that is the, the way in which God flows this supernatural help to us is through and by prayer. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to be clearing my throat. This is new. Um, okay. <clears throat> I'm going to drink water. So if prayer is the vehicle in which we can access peace, peace is the destination. So I want to be really clear what peace is because I'm assuming we've had a, a, a season in our life maybe where we had access to something or we had a moment in our life we had access to something but we didn't understand what we had access to so it limited our engagement of it. For me, that was flying first class for the first time in my life. And we were a couple years into marriage. My husband likes life hacking, and somehow he used credit card points. I don't know what he did, but he was proud of it. And we got to fly um, first class for the first time in my life. And I didn't know what I, I didn't know what you received by being in first class. And it took me observing those around me to realize what they were accessing, to realize that I had access to the same thing. So I use this metaphor to help you understand that if we don't fully understand this peace that God's talking about that we have access to, we could maybe limit our engagement of it. So peace, by definition, definition, biblical true peace says freedom or exemption from disturbance and anxiety, tranquility, completeness, soundness of mind, contentment, and wholeness. That's pretty lofty. And the Bible says, Paul says, we have access to this type of peace in every circumstance. And I'm sure that even though some of these things that I share is kind of lighthearted in nature, I'm sure in a room this size, there's a lot of very deep, heavy things that you guys are carrying. Financial hardships, relationships that are in turmoil, loss, grief, I'm sure the gamut of it is represented here this morning. So I realize when I say the in all circumstances that we can have this peace feels almost unobtainable. And what I want to help us with is when I'm trying to learn a new concept and it's hard, it's lofty for me to gain the knowledge of what that, that concept is, a lot of times it helps me to learn what it's not. It helps me to unlearn the things maybe I've applied to the meaning that's actually not the real meaning when I know what it's not. So I'm going to share a few points with you that will be the opposite, what peace is not, as we journey together to discover this peace. So the first point today, if you're taking notes, is peace is not a feeling. Peace is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. As an Enneagram 4, who in here knows what an Enneagram, what the Enneagram is? Oh, okay, a lot of you. I didn't know. Okay, so this, if you don't know, is a personality typing system that helps you discover 
who you are, your motivators, your likes, your dislikes. It's, it's fun. In my girl gang circle, we are always like, oh, well, you're an Enneagram 7. So that means like, so it's become a way we connect and it helps each other understand one another. Um, so I'm an Enneagram 4, and for those of you who don't know, that means I am the most emotional Enneagram on the spectrum. Um, so what that actually means, it doesn't mean that I'm always in a corner crying, but I've been in a corner crying before. Um, what that means is actually that I have capacity for and am comfortable with feeling a wide range of emotions, and I like to create space for other people to feel safe to experience those same emotions. But growing up as an Enneagram 4, very emotional, I have learned one specific thing that has been most pivotal for me in maturing, and that is emotions are indicators. They are not leaders. And for me, that means I can feel. I can feel all the things. I can sit in my emotions. I can hear what they're saying to me. I can hear what they're indicating to me. But then I must apply the truth of God's word, and that's the leader in my situation. And so this morning, maybe you don't feel peaceful. That's okay. That's actually not the goal. The goal is not necessarily feel peaceful, because peaceful is an emotion, right? So if you're experiencing emotions this morning that feel counter to what Paul is talking about, let's use them like indicators. Let's take them to God. Let's bring them to him. He can handle, trust me, he can handle your raw, ugly emotions. You can take him. He's not scared. He wants to create a space where you can exchange with him how you're really feeling. And then let him apply the truth of who he is on top of those emotions. Just like a car gauge. You get in your car, I need gas. That indicates. You need tire pressure. That indicates. That's our emotion. It indicates our condition, but it does not tell us who we are. So I want to be clear. One, one quick thing. Um, when we talk about this goal of peace, I want, to, I want you to know that this does not mean a space of delusion. This does not mean that we find this, this goal of peace by being absent from our reality. Okay? So, and I wanted to make that clear because sometimes I think in, the, in walking in this life of Christianity, I've thought that, that there was no space for my actual reality or my actual feelings, but that's not the case. In fact, it's quite the opposite because this goal of peace is that we fully acknowledge our emotions, our reality, our situations, but in spite of it, God, he's good, he is with me, he is for me in everything. Amen? Isaiah 26, 3 through 4 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, resolutely firm and unwavering, because they trust in you. They trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. If you're taking notes, this next point is peace is not a circumstance. Peace is not a circumstance. Um, have you ever been praying and praying and praying for something in your life, and then you get it, and then you're praying and praying and praying for the next thing? Or you have prayed for, I'm going to give you a couple examples, prayed for your spouse, and now you're married, and you're like, ooh, this is hard. <laughs> and then you're praying and praying, God, change my spouse, which I'm not speaking by experience whatsoever. Or you pray and you pray and pray for children, and then God gifts you those children, and you're just like, I need a break. Um, 
And we laugh about it because we know this is the reality of the human condition, right? We receive one thing and we're ready to move on to the next thing. We're on to iPhone 13, right? Am I correct? <clears throat> so we have iPhone 13, probably one of the most incredible pieces of technology in the history of mankind. But if tomorrow the iPhone 14 dropped, a lot of you would be like, I got to go get that, right? We have this striving for the next, the better, the, the what's beyond. <clears throat> and there's nothing inherently wrong about this. What, what the, the issue is here, if we're not careful, we can replace the thing we're striving for to be the fulfillment of the thing we lack. So if we are thinking our spouse is going to fulfill us, if we are thinking our children <clears throat> are gonna make us feel content, if we're thinking our job or the amount of money we're gonna make, if we think that's gonna make us be free from anxiety and stress, that's the issue. Those things can't be the source. We know God is the source of those things. Those are solely gifts that he has brought us in our lives, amen? amen. <clears throat> C.S. Lewis writes, and this is actually one of my favorite quotes by him, if we find in ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were not made for here. We were made for another world. We were created for eternity. So these desires are not bad, but they do not bring true fulfillment. Only God can do that. In fact, Paul, while he is writing this very chapter, this very letter to the, book, to the church of Philippians, he is actually writing from being in jail. He's writing from probably one of his worst life circumstances, if you were to put it on paper. Um, and yet, in the contents of this letter, he talks about the joys of following Christ. He talks about persevering for the gospel. He talks about the secret to being content in every situation. So in this space, in the midst of him being in jail, he writes, he pens the verses six through seven we were just reading. And then down in verses 11 through 13, he, he goes on to say, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content or peaceful. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in every, in any and every circumstance. I have learned that the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things who, through him who strengthens me. God is the source, not the circumstance. Peace is not found in a particular outcome or life circumstance because peace is right now. We have it right now in whatever we're walking through. The next point is peace is not the absence of chaos. Peace is not the absence of chaos. I love good design. I have from a very young age, my mom has plenty of stories where she came home from work and I, as a 12-year-old, rearranged her entire living room space because it made more sense. The piano belonged over here. And so this is, this is not made up. This is, I believe, been birthed into me from the beginning. God, God made me this way. And I'm not a city girl, ironically. I'd rather be like frolicking mountainside singing Sound of Music. <laughs> I would rather, but here I am. Let me remind you of my reality from before. I'm a mom of two toddlers. I am constantly cleaning up food on the floor. I don't know why when you're a mom of toddlers, why is food always on the floor? 
but it's always on the floor. Um, many days uh, I'm playing in mud with many construction trucks. I never knew what an excavator was until my child. Um, and so this is my reality. It's not good design. It's not mountainside Lindsay. But I believe God built this in me. Um, but my life, even though it's messy and chaotic, it's beautiful. It's exactly what God has placed in my hands, and he's exact, it's exactly what he's entrusted me in this season of my life. Of course, I would love it sometimes if I wasn't constantly doing laundry or constantly in this cycle of every day, but um, it's what God gave me, right? And I can have peace in the midst of it because peace is not the absence of chaos. It's the presence of Jesus. And when I see the goodness of God and faithfulness of him in my current reality, that's when I can see the Jesus, the presence of Jesus shows up. When I see my two little boys growing and bonding in a new way because they're so close in age and they're figuring it out together, or when I hear the um, out of the blue, Mommy, I love you from Conrad, like, that's incredible. Those are those reminders that God is with me even in this crazy season. Or when we went through the season of my husband in surgery, like I really, I, when I first heard the news, I was in tears because I just could not imagine how we were gonna get through it. But then, in spite of it, God, he showed up and we got to bond in different ways that were precious that we probably wouldn't have had the time and space for had he not been recovering from surgery in the house. Or when my six-month-old, we find out this unknown medical condition that we were walking through, now the scans are showing completely normal. That is Jesus in the presence of chaos. Pastor Keith shared this, he, he went ahead and shared part of this um, last point, but in Mark 4, verses 37 through 40, Jesus is with his disciples like he shared. They're in the boat and a storm comes. It says, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So Jesus, in the middle of a storm, is sleeping. In the middle of chaos, he's sleeping. It's the boat is getting swamped and filling up with water. He's sleeping because peace is not the absence of chaos or a storm. It's the presence of Jesus. So even in our darkest, hardest days, even in tiredness and tears and highs and lows, we have peace because we have Jesus. Amen. So my final point, the band can load, is peace is a person. Peace is a person. Everything Jesus offers, he is. Everything you need, he is. We don't need to go to God for peace. We don't need to go to God for provision. We don't need to go to God for healing because he, he is already those things. He is peace, Jehovah Shalom. He is, he is healing, Jehovah Rapha. He is provision, Jehovah Jireh. Everything he is, he offers. Paul tells us in the text that we need to pray in everything, right? With thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the point of prayer that he's talking about, this vehicle to this peace that is otherworldly, that is supernatural, 
the vehicle is prayer. And before I shared with you some of the practical aspects of it. But the point here, I believe, is that it's, it's not to petition God for him to be who he already is to us. My kids don't need to come to me and say, mommy, can you be my mommy? Like, no, I'm, I am their mommy. I am who I am to them. So when, when we go to God, it's not that we're asking him to be who he already is. We pray and we bring him everything because we wanna give him our hearts and our hopes and our pains and our emotions. And in this space, in devotion of prayer with God, where we acknowledge the reality and the depths of our situation, but also with thanksgiving, with thankfulness that we've seen him come through. We've seen him even when the outcome seemed like it wasn't what I would have picked for myself and God in spite of was there. In that place, in that place of prayer where we choose to continue to bring everything, carry everything to him in prayer and trust that he will provide everything we need, that's a different kind of prayer life. That's a prayer life that's relational, it's personal. And like my kids, I, would, I want to do everything that is best and good for them. God, it's the exact same thing. But it's in this devotion, it's in this exchange of true relational exchange of prayer, that is where we can experience supernatural peace that doesn't make sense to the people of this world. So today, if you take anything, if you take nothing else than this from what I shared, I want you to know you have peace. You have it right now in the person of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us. Peace is with us in everything. So this morning, maybe, maybe you've never met this Jesus, or maybe you haven't made him Lord of your life, or maybe you've walked away from him and you don't understand this person of peace. It's, it seems hard to grasp. I wanna create a space where we can commit to making him Lord over our lives. There are two key texts in Romans. Chapter 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Later in chapter 15, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So what connects us to God and to this kind of peace? It's in believing, by believing, through believing, that's bought by the blood of Jesus. So today I would ask that every head be bowed, every eye would close. If that's you, if you want a relation with this relationship with this Jesus, the person of peace, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond. And I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand, but this is not for anything other than between you and Jesus, a commitment that you wanna step out, that you want him to be the Lord of your life. So if that's you in this place, I just ask that you would raise your hand right now if you wanna make Jesus Lord of your life, the person of peace himself. Amen. I'm gonna pray these words and I, and I would ask everybody to pray them out loud with me. Lord Jesus, I come before you today. I surrender my life to you. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And by dying on the cross and raising to life again, 
God, forgive my sins. I give you my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for those people. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you heard today. If you'd like more content like this or you'd like to connect with us, go to celebrationorl.org. We hope you join us next time.